Welcome, everyone. We have Carla Miranda joining us again, and this is part two of her episode, which is going to be based around what's it like to be a lady in the film industry working as a head of a department. We're going to tackle some hard questions that she's going to give us some real truths about, and I could not respect that more. Carla, if you didn't listen to her previous episode, she is a costume designer that works with tons of big names in the industry. And she's also worked with well-known companies like Vogue and Arrow Frames. She's also one of my favorite humans that I've ever met in my entire life. She's amazing. And I hope you guys really enjoy this episode with Carla. I wanted to talk to you because I know that you will always be upfront and honest with me. And I feel like you're such a great candidate for these topics. And I wanted to talk about women in the industry and kind of what our experiences and what our challenges are, uh, because we do have a lot of female listeners and I feel like you're such a great insight with these questions. So I'm going to ask you some questions about being a really hardworking female in the film industry. Yeah. The first one is, do you feel like women have a hard time supporting each other in the departments in film? Um, no, no, I don't. But I think that my point of view is very skewed by my life experiences. I think that it's easy for me to support other women. And I think that whether I'm a costume designer, a plumber, a, you know, whatever it may be. And I think that it's a new way of thinking as well. I know past generations, you know, you kind of claw your way to the top. And I find myself, the older I get, the more I realize I am in this community that it's so much easier to support each other because there is so much work. There's work for everybody and the right person always gets the job. You never have to fight for, I mean, you do have to put an effort, but you, you just know that what is, meant for you is already on your path. And I am so fortunate that I have a group of women, female costume designers that I am friends with. And I often talk to, and I know we get pinned against each other for jobs and we have to make it a conscious practice to not let that kind of interfere with each other. So I, I think that it's, really easy to support other females in other departments in your own department because we all have this experience of being a female and advocating for ourselves and playing good cop bad cop and being nice enough to where they still want to hire you but still let them know you know certain things aren't acceptable so i think that's that it's easy to support each other and i think that that's very much a new way of thinking that a younger generation has adopted because, I mean, you know better than anyone. We've worked through global pandemics, recessions. I mean, I even walking outside in California and seeing the sky on fire, like we've seen so many things and have faced so many obstacles that at the end of the day, a win for you is a win for me. I want us all to make it. I want to be able to celebrate with everyone at the top, both whether it's female directors, female production designers, female DPs. I want to be able to applaud for all of us. And I know that people are applauding for me on the sidelines and places that I don't even know about. And I think that it's our job to do that for each other. Yeah, that's really encouraging. I have had less experience with that. I think just because maybe set deck is a different role. It's a whole different, yeah, it's a whole different field. And I know that I am fortunate enough that my field is not so male dominated 
And I have made it a point that when the door of opportunity opens for me, I fold it open for the person behind me. And I think that, you know, the camera department, our um, production designer, things like that, I think that that is now becoming more of a practice with women because before we weren't even in the door. And now when the door of opportunity opens, we're making sure we hold it open for the person behind us. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I struggle with a lot of decorators that I work with tend to be harder on their female employees than they are on their male employees. And I don't know if it's because they have smaller expectations for their female employees. I'm not really sure. Or if it's the the point of power that they're having or their insecurities that they're projecting onto the female employees. Or I mean, you hit it on the head there. Insecurities are a bitch. And everybody has them. Literally, the talent, director, EP, every single person has them. And I think it's how they're projected. And I think that that's also a practice that we as females have to instill in each other because sometimes I will be in bed at four in the morning being like, Oh my God, it does everyone still think I'm dumb for saying that. And it's like, it's a practice of not feeding your insecurities and to let stuff go to let stuff go quickly. I think is the point, like underline the word quickly, like let it go, let it be. Yeah. That's a great point. I really admire what you said about the door was open for you and you want to keep it open for the people behind you. And that's the sentiment that I feel like everyone should have and how we should all behave with each other. Because if anything, we should all be trying to lift up the film industry to the standards that we want to keep for the future generations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's our job and it's our duty to, to keep telling those stories and to keep opening the door and give space to those stories and to those people. Is there anything specific that you feel that women can be doing to be more supportive towards each other, or even if it's just in everyday life rather than work related? Um, I think that the number one thing is we just have to have grace. And I say this to myself and to others, like I have to have grace with myself and therefore giving myself that grace will give me the opportunity to give it to others. Like sometimes I try my hardest and I don't get it all the time. And that is okay. And knowing that that is okay is such a relief. And once I know that I'm trying, like it lets me be nicer to the person checking me out at the store. It lets me be nicer to production who's doing their best as well. And when I have grace on myself, I have grace on other people. And I think we need to have grace on ourselves and on other people and not be so quick to judge and just be more willing to see the light. And I know it's much easier said than done because sometimes I am in a hurry when I need to check out at the store. And sometimes I am, you know, judging you because you're taking forever to parallel park, but I need to, I need to be better. And once I give myself grace to learn and to grow, then I'm going to grant that to other people. Yeah, that's a really good one. It's sometimes the most challenging thing is to give grace to yourself because it's hard to be kind to yourself. It's hard to be. And I expect so much of myself. I really do. And it's the way I was brought up and even like talking to my boyfriend, you know, sometimes, you know, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. And sometimes I, you know, I take it. I'm like, my mother walk through the desert for me to come here and have these opportunities. And he's just like, whoa, it's not that deep just unload the dishwasher. And, you know, I, I take it so far and I expect a lot of myself. So I have to like 
be willing to forgive myself and to also just know when I know better, I do better. And sometimes I don't know better. I don't know that certain thing, even like being at my age or considering myself an adult, like sometimes some people just don't know better and it's okay. And that's, and it's okay for you to not know. But once you know better, you do better. And then, and then you're better and then everything's better. <laughs> and then you can keep working on being better. And then, yeah, you just keep it moving. Um, there's this quote that I absolutely love, which is costume related, which is when you look, when, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. When you play good, they pay good. So I think it's our job to like, just keep embodying that, just, you know, keep it pushing, keep being better. It's, that is so amazing. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, as you like storm the set and you come on with your giant you hat. play the part, yes. Like you look good, you feel good. And then they pay good, so. It works out for everyone. <laughs> works out for everybody. Do you feel like a lot of your female coworkers feel pressured into not having children in order to put their careers first? Um, that's interesting. And I just, I want to say I don't have kids or pets, or I'm not responsible for anyone but myself. So I do want to put that out there. And I think that there, it's a two-sided question because the people that I work, that I have worked under and I completely admire, most of them don't have kids. But also, I think that we live in a generation where we make up the rules on our own. I have friends that are producers that take their kids traveling with them. I have friends that are agents that every time they work, a, they book a job, they have their husbands come on and bring the kids with them. I think that we live in a world where you can have children. It's no longer what it used to be. And you could create the rules for yourself. I think that that's, that's just what society is working towards whether you're in the film industry whether you're in any other industry I think that we are learning to adapt and I think that it also being a mother and having that point of view or not not being a mother um also changes your work it changes how you see things it changes how you respond to things so I I think that yes there is a pressure to put your career first and I think that we, you could do it in a way that you feel comfortable with. Do you feel that way? I definitely feel pressured to put my career first over starting a family. Not that I've, I've had the opportunity to, and I kind of, you know, changed, changed my tune a little bit, but I really feel like every time I think about kids, the amount of stress that I think about, about all the work that I'm going to lose, because when you're pregnant, it's not really an option to do the hours that we do, to do the work that we do, the walking around on concrete floors and lifting things and moving things and carrying things places and the stress that you're taking on. And then on top of that, growing a child, it just, to me, for my job specifically, I worry about that stuff. And I've worked with generations that are have been doing set deck for years and they're decorators. And they skipped starting their families in order to get ahead in their careers. And then they found out they couldn't have kids because they had hit an age where it just wasn't possible anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of tricky because I know logically that if I want to start a family, I just need to do it. And of course, there's like you always need the person to help you with that. And I don't have that. So <laughs> a little different from my situation right now. But in the long run, I know that when I have kids. And when I choose to do that, I just need to make sure that my partner is 
more on board with doing a lot more and sharing the responsibilities more because our jobs are so demanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, So I have been in a relationship for five years now with a cinematographer and I know what his work schedule is like and he knows what my work schedule is like. And I find that so liberating because I don't have to explain to him what I do. I don't have to explain to him why I didn't text back or why I, you know, why I need a rain jacket in the middle of August in LA. Like it just, he just gets it. So there, there is a certain freedom with that, but I know that when we decide to start a family, it's going to be, it's going to be just a different approach. Now, with that being said, I am incredibly fortunate that I have friends that are production designers and scenics that have kids and I have been on set with them and their three-year-old son, you know, comes to set and puts on the walkie and feels real cool and, you know, wants to look at things. And, you know, there's been times when they're like, Hey, can you make them like pair some buttons or like entertain? I'm like, yes, of course. So I know I've seen great examples of what it's like to be a parent on set. And I have also seen amazing examples of what it, you know, what it's like to put your career over everything. I've, I've seen that I've been exposed to enough of that to know that if you want it to work, you can make it work. But there, you know, there is that pressure. You never want to be I think as women, we never want to be seen as weak or incapable. So I, there, there's a balance there. Yeah, that's a big one. I think the the weakness that you mentioned is really huge and it's so tricky. I struggle with that a lot just because I don't want to appear like I can't do something that my male counterpoint can do. If he can do it, I need to be able to do it because then you know, I feel like I need to justify why I'm there, which it shouldn't be that competitive. It should no. just be everyone has their own thing. Yes. And also I will not be able, I cannot lift a refrigerator. I just can't do it as much as I want to. Like I'm speaking as someone in the art, like I can't do that. I just can't. But also you don't have the point of view that I have. And that, you know, I think that we have to look at things kind of with the wider lens and see what's, you know, what's going on here. So, but again, it's that perception. Am I not enough? Am I weak? Am I, is my, am I going to do a bad job because my mind is elsewhere? Yeah. It's, it's tough for sure. But girlfriend, I mean, look, all, everyone else is doing it. If you want to do it, you could do it. Look at JLo, look at every Beyonce, every other mother, you know, of course they have a, a little bit more resources than we do, but people have been having babies for a long time. Yeah, a couple of buyers that I know have had kids and it's they've managed to work with their schedules and still be present in their kid's life. So to me, I find that so inspirational and yeah. amazing because even though it's something so small as just being a mom, it's it's so big in our industry. Absolutely. And I mean, I have seen it before where, you know, I've had friends talking about agents and being like, oh, well, you know, she had a baby. So that's why you probably didn't get that movie because she dropped. I've seen it. But I've also seen fantastic examples where an agent has been mothering and has helped somebody because they are a mother. And that person needed that at that point in their career. They needed that for their sobriety, for their confidence. And that person was able to provide that for them. So it's, I think it's a double-sided thing. Oh, absolutely. And it, it really helps when you have a support team, when your team understands what you're going through, the people that are under you and the people that are above you, if they believe in you and want to support you during that time and afterwards, that is so crucial. Yeah. 
And I think we all have this fantasy of like coming to set with like our babies strapped onto us, holding a nice coffee, like just really getting it. And like, that's a fantasy that lives in our head for some reason. But I, I, I don't think it happens that flawlessly, but I do see that like going to my fitting with my baby, just sound asleep, not making a noise. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. One of my friends was like, oh, I just thought being a mom was going to be a little bit easier in the first six months. And I was like, what? The first six <sighs> months is the hardest. Also, I love to sleep. Like, sleep, I love it. So, yeah. Gina, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Hopefully, we'll end up going through it at the same time. So, I can be like, Carla, I don't know what to do with my life right now. I have no like. Just strap your baby on yourself and drink a nice coffee, girl. You'll be fine. <laughs> Ice coffee will fix everything. <laughs> Literally. Are there any changes that you would like to see in the film industry over the next five years? Yes. I want to see projects be given the time that they deserve. I think that in our industry, with social media, with YouTube with things becoming so accessible that we've lost some of that. And I think that we forget how long it used to take to make films, how long it used to take to make any sort of content that now that you can make TikTok content or Instagram something so quickly, I think we're moving away from the quality and that we need to get back to the expectations matching the jobs and the time given needs to match the job. So I hope that we can move towards that in the future of actually giving things the time that they need in order to develop. That's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Me Too movement, which was, it happened recently where a lot of women were speaking out against things that have happened to them on set that were primarily men in power, abusing their power to sexually harass, sometimes even sexually assault women on set. And I kind of just wanted to talk to you about that for a moment. Do you ever feel like you had an experience with that or something that was maybe sexually, sexual harassment of any kind on set? I wouldn't say that I felt as though anything happened to me. But I will say that this is a conversation that I have with my team often, which is it is our job to push the narrative and to advocate for people, especially because we work so closely with talent. And I do music videos with rap artists that want, you know, the booty and the very, very skimpy clothes and the, and those kind of things. So I find myself also, I have a lot of sisters. I have five sisters. So I, I, it's so natural for me to protect, especially women that there have been times where I'm like, Hey, are you, I know you got casted as bikini girl. Are you comfortable with this? Is this okay? And people have confided in me and said, well, I just didn't know it'd be, you know, a two piece or, you know, things of that nature. So Although some directors have asked me like, okay, and then this, at this scene, she should be in a thong. I know that it is my job to say, okay, although a thong is great, how about we do a latex cat suit? It would look so much better on camera and it's so sexy. Let's try that. And they end up loving it. And they're like, actually that's, yeah, that looks a hundred times better. So I feel like with the whole Me Too movement, I think that while it is definitely certain people and especially men in power, I think that men 
still have that power. And it is our job as women to kind of navigate those situations and nudge and, you know, for things to move a certain way, because I know that in those situations, there's been plenty of other people in the room that could have said something and never said something. So I think that especially working so closely with talent and especially being a costume designer, it is my job to protect my talent. And it's also my job to give the director what he wants or what she wants and, you know, to make the scene happen. But I find myself taking on that responsibility much, much too often. And I'm happy to do so to say, Hey, I know we wanted this, but I think this is better. Hey, she doesn't feel comfortable in that, or she doesn't feel safe in that. Or if, you know, we are going to do that scene. Um, I think it'd be important if there was an intimacy coach here and if the set was cleared because she's going to be in a thong and, and pasties. So it definitely, that has a lot to do with my job. Yeah. That's, that is so kind and mindful of you to do that as you're working in the costume designer role, because a lot of the times people don't speak up for the talent or don't speak up for people that they're seeing these things happen to. And it just really sucks when you feel like you have no one in your corner. Absolutely. It sucks when you feel like you have no one in your corner or, you know, I know for a fact that some of these models are young. They're, they're very young and they need this job and they're not going to be the ones to say, Hey, I don't like this. And then later down the road, they kick themselves for not saying that for, you know, but again, I think that all it takes is one person in the room to say, Hey, is this a good idea? And I think we have to cultivate those spaces to make people feel safe. I think that we have to cultivate community and safety and nothing is should be silly of a suggestion or nothing should you know there shouldn't be any shame in advocating and finding what works best for everybody and I think that a lot of the times people just don't know like I I know for a fact a lot of the times with like our male directors they just don't know they don't know what it you know what that means or you know, everyone has a thing they, and you have to tell them, you have to say it out loud and you have to create that space where it's okay to say things and it's okay to not know. And we have to figure it out together because, you know, there could be a situation where it turns out this was not sensitive. This was racist. This was sexually demeaning. And it, all it takes is just one person to say, Hey, is this okay? Absolutely. I know when I first started out, because I was, I think I was 18 or 19, I was extremely young and I would get unwarranted massages. Ew, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of people would come up to me and touch me inappropriately thinking that it was just funny. Like it was a joke for them to grab my ass in front of other people because it was funny that I was the only woman on set. And like, what was I going to do about it? I was just this woman, technically girl, really, at that point. And you were there from, because of necessity. I remember I spoke to one of my female designers, and she basically said, well, you should probably, if you want to get ahead, you know what the fastest way to get there is. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she encouraged me to sleep with producers. And I could not believe that a woman would say that to someone that was working for them, that is new to the industry, and that I was just looking for support. I was looking for guidance from someone that I respected, and it just changed the, the view of how I saw her, which is complicated, of course, because then you're, you feel like your job is jeopardized 
by that moment. I'm so sorry. Oh, it, it happened. And, you know, I just hope it doesn't happen for people after me. Like that was always my biggest thing is talking about it makes it more real for people. And I do feel like a lot of the, the male people that I worked with just had no idea that this was happening or just wasn't present for when it did. And after the fact, they were horrified and they would never want something like that to happen in their presence. So it's, it's also just like knowing that you have backing with the people that you're working with, whether they're male or female, which is a big thing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think, again, that's a very antiquated way to think. I think uh, as we've spoken about, we are young filmmakers. And I think that the people that we bring in and how we carry ourselves, we have to do better than the generation before us. And although that seemed acceptable and we just kind of chalked it up to, well, everybody gets hit on and everybody, you know, I have been in situations where we're at a fitting and they're like, well, can you just try it on? And I'm like, no, I am not going to put on a bikini for you right now. That's completely inappropriate. You know, I have been in those situations, or I've been in situations where we're doing a job for a young, a company that markets towards young girls. And it's, you know, a 15 year old girl in something skimpy. And I like, Hey, I don't feel comfortable with this, but we have to feel it takes a lot of bravery and it takes a lot of confidence in yourself because a younger me might've done something differently, but Again, when you know better, you do better. And it's our job to let people know that this is no longer acceptable. So I feel like in my department, especially, I have to be conscious of that. I have to, you know, read between the lines of like, okay, although you're saying this is okay, the way you're acting makes me think that it's not okay. So a lot of that, a lot of that, and a lot of elevating it. You know, although some people are asking for something, I will I will absolutely give you the red underwear that you wanted. But on top of that, I'll give you something even cooler, sexier and more awesome that you didn't even know was possible that talent feels comfortable in that you feel comfortable in that checks all the boxes. Absolutely. And I feel like you have such a good handle on that because it is so much about comfort. Like comfort is the key word in that situation because I think someone's going to confide in you whether they're more comfortable being in an outfit or not, rather than the director or the person that's in charge and calling the shot. Production. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you're being direct with them and you're talking to them like a person, whereas like they're talking to them maybe in just a talent way because that's, you know, their role on set is to direct them and, and to talk to them like talent, but you're being a human with them and you're on a human level. So I think it, it kind of bridges that expectation of, do I have to answer this question a certain way? Otherwise do I fire? Absolutely. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the person that's going to be firing you. And also I feel like at that point, by the time I get to set, I've already talked to you about your shoe size. I've talked to you about what underwear you prefer to wear. I've talked to you about to please bring a bra. Like I've, I've developed that you know, relation, even if it's very superficial, I've developed that with talent and it feels really awesome. And I, I know there's a power in it and I know that it is my responsibility and my duty to make people feel great because at the end of the day, we want our work to look good. And somebody that doesn't feel great in what they're wearing or what they're doing or how they're doing it, that's going to reflect on camera. So we're, everyone's here to do a good job and, you know, to, to make each other feel safe and to protect each other. I think that's 
so important. And I think as a female in the industry, it's tough because we have to play good cop. We have to play bad cop. We have to make sure everyone likes us, but everyone respects us. And we have to make sure people are a little afraid of us, but also still think we're funny and cool. And it's, it's complicated, but the things that are important to me is to cultivate safety and creativity. Oh yeah. The, the word bitch always gets thrown around so loosely when it comes with two strong women. And of course that's considered a derogatory term for so many women. And to me, it's just so frustrating because when a male person in that same position comes off strong and authoritative, they're just like, oh, he's a really strong director or he's a really he's in strong. Charge. Yeah. And sometimes you might say like, oh, that person's an asshole. But I feel like that connotation is still different than the bitch connotation for women because you're trying to put that person down. Whereas asshole is not the same. Like you're not trying no. to put that person down. You're commenting on a character, a character flaw of theirs. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I think about all the powerful women that I love. I'm like, she is that bitch. And guess what? I am that bitch too. I, I am okay with that. I am relishing in that. You better come at me correct. And you better talk to me correctly. And you better make sure that your posture towards me is correctly because I'm going to do the same towards you. So although the word bitch gets thrown around all the time, I'm just, there's, there's no sense in fighting it because that's what is going to be said about us. So now I feel like as a generation, we're all leaning into it and being like, yes, I am that bitch. Rihanna is that bitch. Like that's, that's just what she is. So is Beyonce. Like they are the one and, and that's it. There's, you know, so I think that with the me too movement, things have definitely changed. And I think people feel more empowered to speak out and advocate for themselves. And I think it also kind of made people reflect a little bit like, Oh, did I do something that wasn't completely right? Or, you know, whether you're male, female. And I think that the awareness being there is really important. Cause again, a lot of people just don't know. So like, I'm sure whoever was like giving you a elongated hug that made you feel uncomfortable. They, you know, everyone's different. So with that, it's, it's, I think it's all about advocating for each other. Yeah, for sure. I had a producer that we were doing this overnight music video and he sort of made advances towards me and I was in a relationship and was like, Hey, I'm really not interested. Like, this is not the person that I am. No, thank you. Very flattered. Tried to be polite. And he just didn't really take that answer for a no. So on the next overnight, he proceeded to tell me that he wanted me to join in on a three-way with him and his wife. Ew, why are people talking to you like this? Yeah. And he said, uh, send me a picture of you in your bikini. And it started out with like lingerie. And I was like, I will absolutely not do this. And um, <laughs> <laughs> the woman who's like my second mother is listening to this podcast. So um, earmuffs, Lucy. <laughs> but he kept going on about how he wanted me to send him nudes and like, it was going to be for special present for his wife and like all this nonsense. And I laughed it off, like trying to normalize it and trying to make the situation not as heavy and not as targeted on me. So I would send him photos of like cropped photos of guys in like banana hammock bathing suits and like oh, no. hundreds of photos and 
everyone knows this guy's a creep. Like people working with him are uncomfortable around him. And it just, it was never like, no one ever thought twice about it when he was behind me, massaging me at an overnight shoot. I'm floored by that, but I'm not surprised. I'm just like floored. Yeah. Because I'm sure this wasn't like forever ago. This was maybe how like five years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, probably more like I was 22. So, see, can you imagine if you were like 18, like fresh out of school, trying to, like, you wouldn't have known to say, hey, I'm not okay with this. Right. And especially because there was no language at that point about this stuff. And it really hurts my heart when I hear people say, oh, she's just saying this to get money. Like when actresses and well known artists are coming out about their really terrible experiences, even by women, just berating them and telling them to get naked so they could judge them for a sex scene. Like no one is coming out and saying this for their benefit. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel nice to relive these moments and feel shame about it, even though it's something you didn't ask for. It's horrible. It's horrible. I agree. And I think that there needs to be more people just speaking out. But again, that it takes so much bravery and so much like a younger me would if we were having this conversation would have answered completely different would have you know been like oh well you know that's that showbiz baby or that's what being a woman is and that's just what it is but like me myself now I'm like no that's unacceptable and if I see it it's my job to say it's unacceptable and it's also my job to let you know and to make sure that you understand, although again, it is it my job to teach every single person about everything? No, it's not. But it is my job to protect people because I know there are moments where I am going to look at someone and be like, help me. So when people give you that look, you have, it's, it's just the way the, it, it's the way it's the way things have to work, especially as women. Yeah. There just needs to be a better line and it needs to be more clear for everyone involved. And it doesn't even have to be just on women to seek out, you know, the comfort level of another woman on set. If you're a male in the costume designer role or in the set decorator role, just make sure that there's nothing weird going on in between the blurry lines. Like you just be aware and, you know, make sure that everyone's all comfortable. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, People remember how you make them feel. And that's something that I've learned in my careers. People always remember how you make them feel. I know that I've been on jobs and then four years later, someone's like, oh yeah, you were on this job with me. I remember like people will remember. And I think that if you have that and you have that intention of making people feel good, then you're winning. You're doing the right thing. And I think that in my department, especially like people remember, remember how you make them feel even for something small like something tiny like hey is he cool or hey like I know when people ask me things like that I know what's under the surface so I I definitely take it upon myself to make people feel safe make people feel appreciated make people feel seen oh yeah it's I feel like that's definitely really key and it doesn't even have to be about sexual harassment it could just be you know, something's going on at home with their personal life and they just use work as an escape. So you're their outlet for safety. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I mean, I've definitely come to set and I've seen, you know, people get dressed in front of me. So I've seen funny bruises and I've seen, you know, it's, it's deeper. And I think that when you are in those intimate spaces with people, they, they trust you with a lot and we just have to take care of each other, especially in these crazy times. We have to take care of each other. There's so much crazy. I mean, the pay gaps and the, you know, there's a million things we could talk about, but it's just, it's crazy how different things are. But I do feel like we're making so much progress. And the fact that people are speaking about about these occurrences and they are telling their stories, I feel like is very key for progress because you can't fix something that you don't know is broken. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You can't fix something that you don't know is broken and you you have to let people know. You just, you do. You, there, there's no other way around it. Whether you're male, whether you're female, you have to, you have to be willing to correct people in a loving, respectful way. Yeah, that's yeah, very accurate. This is not a question that I had on the list, but I'm gonna throw it at you. And if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. But technically, you're considered a woman of color, and I just wanted to ask you if you feel like you're receiving any different treatment since the Black Lives Matter movement or anything that's changed for you at all from when you started or when you ended or if you had had any racism that you experienced firsthand because of that? That's a tough one. I feel like I've definitely noticed change. Now I feel like um, productions are much more willing and um, they're, they're just much more on top of it of hiring a diverse crew. They, you know, I get texts, I get, Hey, do you know someone that could do this? Hey, do you know someone that could do that? So I know people are on top of it. Me, myself, um, I am Mexican. I grew up in Mexico. Spanish is my first language, but I look Asian and that's just like, that just is. And there are times where I find myself, you know, bat, like sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'm not Mexican enough. I should be speaking more Spanish. And then other times I'm like, Oh, I'm not white enough. I'm being too Mexican. So there is that inner, like, what mask do I wear today? And, you know, it's, it's funny because even now that we are physically wearing masks, you don't see the rest of, you just see, you know, my eyes. So people just assume that I'm Asian. I remember, so I did some, when I moved to LA, someone's like, oh, are you Hapa? And I didn't know what that meant. That means half Japanese. And I thought it meant happy. And I was like, yes, I'm very happy to be here. So like, I just had no idea. And there's these small, like little bits of, I don't know if it's racism or it's just people just don't know better. And people are curious. Um, so I feel like since the Black Lives Matter movement kind of took more of central stage, there have been productions that are much more aware of hiring a diverse crowd. But for me personally, I have people that I work with that are Latin and, you know, it's great to be able to like come to set and speak Spanish and be able to like hang and understand what's going on. And even like talking to my boyfriend, we listen to music. He's like, what is it? What are they saying? And I'm just like, Oh, you don't understand. Like I can't translate it. It's a vibe. You just don't get it. So it's I not, too, not too much. I, and for me personally, but yes, I have noticed that. Well, that's good. I'm glad we're at least going in the correct direction because I think you mentioned this a little bit when we first started before I started recording, but you were saying how powerful your roots are and you really need to lean into them because it's a beautiful thing. It's not, you shouldn't stifle it and you shouldn't try to be more white and you should really embrace your culture. 
Yeah, I mean, but again, that comes with age and that comes with wisdom and with pride, you know, wanting to pass as white before. And now I'm like, no, I'm Latina. And people are like, calm down, you're, you're summer down. This isn't, you know, we're just sitting here. No one's challenging you. So I, again, that just comes, that comes with time. That comes with age. That comes with loving yourself and all of yourself and not wanting to bleach your hair blonde anymore. And, you know, and, and correcting people when they mispronounce your name. So it, it is powerful and it is beautiful and it has skewed my way of thinking. And even, you know, even now when I go to the grocery store and I see, you know, like uh, somebody struggling in the self checkout, I'm like, Oh, that could be my mom. That could be like, I'm like, Oh, this would be like, do you need help? You know, in Spanish. So, but again, that's tricky too, because sometimes I'm like, Rob, I should help him. And he's like, no, leave them alone. They don't need help. I'm like, I need to translate right now. And it's like, no, 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 leave them alone. So it's, it's tricky, but it is beautiful. And I'm so grateful to, to have culture, to have, to experience, you know, to have this view on things. It's, it's really special. And even we talk about often with my family, we talk about like sur survivor's guilt and even being in the movie industry. I feel sometimes I feel not worthy or not deserving, even having my own studio. When I first got this room that I'm sitting in today, I remember at like any time that, that I would have down and I'd sit on the couch, I'd be like, I should be in the studio. Like I need to be working. I have this space. I need to be on it at all times. Like my family has suffered so much. And it's like, no, 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 it's okay. You, you deserve this. You don't have to feel guilty for, for working hard. And, you know, even at work, there'll be times where I'm just like, I, you know, I'm over, I'm have gratitude to a fault where it's like, it's okay. It's okay to like be bothered by something that happened. You're not, you're not in trouble for not being gracious at this moment. But again, it's that, it's that survivor's guilt. It's that humble mentality. It's really tricky because I know when you are given something in the film industry, it's really difficult not to feel guilt over it. Like you, if you're given a job because of a connection, I always struggle with this at least. I feel like I need to make this job perfect and the pressure is so intense. I am on the line for this other person recommending me. So it needs to be spot on and beautiful. And then I just feel guilt if, it, if something messes up. Which is yeah, you're like, oh, I didn't have the right printed pillow, the mug, the mug. And like, it's like no one's thinking about that cup except you. Like literally not one person is thinking about it. But I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that it's also very much a female thing of like this, this guilt of I should be doing more or I'm not doing enough or I, I don't know. It's, it's like this undeserving thing that we have going on. And especially during these crazy political times, like I, the lesson that I learned in 2020 is that people are going to try it. People are just going to try you. They're going to try to not necessarily get one over you, but people will try it. And therefore it is your job to try it too. Like if someone that's completely doesn't have the qualifications to do something they're doing, then why shouldn't I try? Why shouldn't I apply? Why shouldn't I ask for a little bit more help or one more PA because I need the help? If your people are like, oh, and can you do this in an hour? It's like, no. I'm like, oh, thought I'd ask. I'm like, okay. So now I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like, wait, I should ask too. 
I should. Yeah, you should. Carla, get on it. Start fucking. I know, but I just, I feel, (laughs) I feel weird. I'm like, oh no, it's fine. It's, you know, that meme of that little like dog in the house that's on fire. That's like, everything's fine. Like I feel like that sometimes. And then I'm like, wait, no, no, no. I'm, I'm allowed to ask for things too. I'm allowed to try it. Quote unquote, just like everyone's trying me. They'll try it. And you, and I just have to let it go too. I just have to kind of learn to let go and not dwell on things. So I'm like, oh, they tried it. It's fine. They're not a bad person. They're just trying it. And that's yeah, okay. I, yeah, it's really hard. I mean, it is a female thing with the guilt. There was, I mentioned it on this podcast before, but there was a an article that I read about a study they did on workplace guilt, which is actually a thing. They do this study and they talk to men and women about their roles in their job And for some reason, women all have this combined workplace guilt where we feel like we're not doing enough, we're not working hard enough, we're not grateful enough. And it comes, it stems from our uh, caregiving role in the home and in society. You know, women are always supposed to be the most loving and appreciative and grateful. So I found that really interesting. It was a study that was like a, you know, something they did, but I should have now that I'm quoting it twice, I really should have paged it so I could share it with everyone and not just be like, hey, I'm this up. <laughs> no, I feel it. I That cuts deep. Now imagine me being first generation American, like being the daughter of immigrant parents and feeling that like guilt. If I don't do, I was, you know, I had to learn that you not only have to do good, you have to be better than everyone else or not. You will not get this opportunity again. Like it, that just is. And I remember so vividly, like, you know, having to translate mail for my parents and me being in the third grade and then putting like a piece of mail in front and be like, what does that say? We don't speak English. What? And I'm like, uh, it's the letter I R S. I don't know. And like, try, like, you know, not, not knowing what these, you know, the mail was talking about and, you know, having, having this pressure. So now I'm like, no, I have to know everything. And it is my job. And it, it just cuts deep. It's, it's that guilt of if I'm not overly prepared, I am disappointing everyone, including like my little Mexican mom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my heart a little bit. Jeez. <laughs> oh my gosh. But you know, it's all these small things that make up who we are and, you know, and give us that grit and give us that fight and give us, you know, our personality. And, and it is, it's that caregiver guilty mentality that I have to shake. Like sometimes I have to be like, no, 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 this isn't a time to be like, Oh, thank you. This is a time to be like, Hey, I need to be paid more because I'm doing more. This isn't the time to be like, I'm so grateful to be here. It's, you know, and be able to switch back and forth, but it's a practice. It really is. It's everyday practice. Yeah. And every job, I feel like you're going to have a new opportunity to fight for yourself. And I feel like that's going to strengthen your position and your argument every time that you have to negotiate your rate or what you're doing on the job or how many people you have or your budget, it's all going to equal something for the best in everyone's regard at the end. Absolutely. And I think if your intentions are in the right place and you, if your heart is in the right place, then, then you're, you're doing good. You're, you're fighting the good fight. So it's, but it's tough. It's not easy. And I think as a woman, it, it's really hard. And if you have to be, again, the good cop and the bad cop, it's complicated. It really is. And to do that with grace, like you said, it's also another challenge. To do that with grace and still be loved and still be funny. Because sometimes, you know, you send a, 
an email that has a little sting to it. And then you get to set and you're like, hi guys, no one's mad, right? We're all happy. We're all going to have a great day. Yeah. It reminds me of the Harry Potter moment where Cho was kissing Harry and it was, she was crying. And so then he was like, oh, it was wet. And then Hermione goes and lists off, well, well, obviously she was feeling this and she was feeling this and she was feeling this. And just lays it into him. Yes. And then they look at her and they're like, how could one person feel all of those things? And I feel like that every day. I'm like, how does one else feel all these things? All that time. And not to mention, like, I feel like something that's not spoken about is like age. In our industry, there's such ageism that it's like, it's crippling. I remember being like super young and doing my job and like thinking I'm killing it. And they're like, oh, here you just don't know better. And now that I'm older, I'm like in this in-between stage. I know I'm going to get older and they're going to be like, oh, you're just so old. You're so out of touch. So it's like you could never win. It doesn't matter what age you are or what it, you just could never win. The, the odds are not in your favor ever. Like you can never be you're, yes, you're never young enough. You're never old enough. You're never smart enough. You're never dumb enough to let the, so it's just, it's having that grace. I'm like, I, I love me. And that's, that's enough for me. Yeah. It's really tricky. I've, so I've transitioned into decorating and I'll still do buying jobs because especially during a pandemic, I didn't want to take on the stress of a leadership role during a straight up pandemic. So to me, taking a lesser role makes more sense, but I've transitioned into decorating. And what I've encountered is the fact that I will do such a great job in a phone interview and I'll get along with the production designer. Things will go so well. They basically hand me the job except officially. And they're like, we just want you to come in to do a walk through the sets and just like talk to you for a bit. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, I can come in. and No problem. I go in and the minute they see me, their faces fall. And I know that I don't have that job because I look younger than I am, which should be a gift, which I'm sure it will be in the future. But right now it's working against me because the moment a designer sees me, they instantly do not trust me. And I've been really lucky to work with a couple designers that see past that and know that I have the years of experience that I do, but really people judge you so harshly. UPMs, directors, producers, anyone in those positions. People that are spending, yeah, client, agency. I mean, absolutely. Now for me and my job, I show up being the age I am, who I am. And it's like, oh, you're dressing somebody that's 50. And they're like, oh, she's young. She's probably going to try to put me in a crop top or she doesn't. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I get it. I understand why you think the way you think, but it, it just goes, it goes both ways. Now, if I was, you know, much older and I came in and I had to dress someone that was 20, I'm sure the 20 year old would look and be like, oh, this old lady, she doesn't know what she's it's cool. She's going to try to put me in, you know, something crazy. So it's just, it never works. You're never on the winning side. The house always wins. So it's my job to understand, to know you enough, to know the character enough, to know the job enough and to make you feel comfortable. And, you know, there are times where you get, you get to a fit and you're like, okay, this isn't going to work. Let's regroup. Let's, let's pivot. And that's totally okay. And that's fine to do. So I feel like in our job, not only being a female's tough, but like with the ages, it's, it's just, it's impossible. And I'm sure that's with every industry. I know that whoever's listening is going to be like, well, I work in this and I'm right there with you. So I think it's a universal thing too. And 
the only way to fix it is we have to have grace on ourselves and each other. And that's, that's just it. Yeah. I love that. You just came at the problem with a solution. It's that's amazing. A solution. That's a solution. Cause sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I am too young or maybe I am too old. It's like, no girl, you got that. You've, you've come long enough. We didn't come this far to come this far. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same thing for our department because just like you're dressing a person, I'm dressing a set for that person. So if they're a 50 year old woman, that's been a mom for 30 years, you know, that house needs to look like she's established a family. She is, this is her world. I need to create a world. And they see me, you know, our directors, our producers and everyone, you know, one time I had to do a presentation in front of Paramount to explain how makeup is made. I don't know how makeup's made. Like I did all this research and, you know, I figured it out and I can emulate the world that I need to create. And I think that's what's lost on certain people that aren't maybe as creative with their positions is they just have a harder time trusting people that look a certain way. Or if, you know, they present themselves in a certain light, you know, I might not come off as the most confident decorator because I am younger than a lot of the people that are in my position. So if you don't come in there basically shoving compliments down their throat and saying all this jargon that you know, it tends to, you know, shoot yourself in the foot a little bit, but you can always perform in any capacity that you believe that you can do. Absolutely. And sometimes I, I don't know, but I know I can figure it out and that, then that is okay. And that is, you know, that's totally fine. And I know that about other people, other departments, like sometimes you don't, like, you don't know how makeup is made, but you, I know that you can figure it out and you're capable. So that's, that's half the battle sometimes just like reminding yourself, reminding other people, like I I got this, I've seen enough. I've seen some shit, you know? Right. And I know how to facilitate this for us to create that makeup line that we need to do for this movie. Like that is my role. That's why I'm hired. And if you need this to be the thing that I'm doing, of course I can do it because we have to research. We have time to do the things And I know in the film industry, what's expected of my role and my position and my team, which is one of the things I love most about our roles is like, you get to create these things that are not normal jobs. (laughs) Like you always have the same character. You don't always have the same set. And I think that's the most inspirational thing about it is the change. Yeah. I think that one of the things that I haven't, we haven't touched base on, which I would like to touch base on is how difficult it is for women and men of a certain size to participate in fashion. And it is such an issue. And mind you, I'm small. I, I can go to the store and find things that fit me, but my job requires to dress people of all shapes, of all sizes, of all sexual orientations throughout the the colors, everything. So, you know, it's so incredibly difficult to do that. And I think that we live in a world that doesn't allow people to participate in fashion. And it has been brutal. And I find myself with my work. I, one of my great friends and clients is Patrick Starr, who is a man, was a plus size Filipino man who dresses as a woman. And we, you know, he dresses in women's clothing. And it's been such a challenge to, create fashionable moments because everything that exists is 
not that cute, to be honest. Everything plus size, you know, just because you're plus size, you, you still want to dress a certain way and sexy and colorful and with patterns. You don't want to wear an oversized t-shirt and it's really tough. And I think that also, you know, I think of asking, you know, talent, make sure you bring um, a pair of nude underwear and some of, you know, our models that are definitely darker in complexion show up with quote unquote nude that's white. And they're like, this is what's out there. I don't have a nude pair of heels because they don't make nude in my shade. So I think that that's something that I would like to see a change in. And I think that's something that just needs to be spoken about because we are, we influence, we are pop culture. We make pop culture and we have the ability to say, Hey, make sample sizes bigger. Hey, be size inclusive. And it's, it has to, it just has to be spoken about. Yeah. That's really, that's such a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's something I would have never thought about just because it's not as present in my daily life and definitely still very important. It does not make it less important. And that is really key that we include so many other sizes and orientations than we do already. And I feel like we're starting to get more comfortable exploring these things and fighting for these people um, that have been shoved in dark corners for so long. And it's just it's really heartbreaking and unfair to hear a lot of their stories of discrimination. Absolutely. Also being a, being small and like talking about these things, I get eye rolls like, oh, well, what, what would you know about it? And I'm like, little do you know, I literally do this for a living. And I, you know, with Patrick, we made the ultimate campaign. He released, uh, he's a trans CEO in featured at Sephora and our work is there. And I was telling my sister about it. She's like, I saw that pink dress you guys made for him. Everything we do for him is custom. And she told me the story that I had no idea about, which is when she was in high school, she, she was heavier set. And my tia took her to buy a um, prom dress in LA. Mind you, she was going to prom in Palm Springs and she came to LA and nothing fit her. So the whole two hour drive from Los Angeles to Palm Springs, she just cried. She just sobbed to herself in the car. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't go to prom. Maybe I'm too fat to go to prom. That's what this means. And, you know, and as she's telling me this, mind you, she told me this for the first time a couple months ago, I was, I was gutted. I was like, that is horrible. And then she came home and we're like my, my other sisters, a couple of other than we're all small and we trade clothes. And can I borrow this? And she's like, I never felt like I could participate with you guys. I never could bond with you guys like that because I couldn't fit into your clothes. And it was so heartbreaking for me. And, you know, I love my family. I love my sisters, but I see a lot of my clients in my sisters and my family. So I'm able to now advocate I'm able to be what a younger me needed. I'm able to be the person that a younger Claudia needed by saying, hey, this isn't okay. Nothing's wrong with you. We're going to fix this. You do deserve to go to prom. You do deserve all these things. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I could cry listening to that. I don't know her, but oh, it's, oh so she's the best it. too. She's the best dancer. Oh I'm so happy she went. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad she went too. And I just I hate that she had that experience because, you know, to be an outsider is one of the hardest things, I think, in society in general, whether it's elementary school that left you an outsider or, you know, a book club or something silly. It could be literally anything in a moment in your life where you felt excluded. It's one of the worst feelings. Isolation and abandonment is not what you want in your life. And that makes it really difficult to love yourself. And I feel like the clothing 
that, you know, every company is providing will be so much better for the mental health of America and other countries if it's more inclusive. Like, that's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And again, I know in my field, everything comes in trends. I mean, everything from clothing to plastic surgery to hairstyles to everything comes in waves and comes as a trend. And I am so grateful that now we're giving spaces to people that look different, people that are different sizes, people just, it it feels so awesome. And I hope that it's not a trend and I hope we're adapting and adopting it as a new lifestyle because, you know, I, I see famous people. I see not famous people. I dress everyone in between. So I think that that is an issue and it needs to be, it needs to be spoken about. It needs, we, again, we control you tell me what looks cool. When I see your work, I'm like, oh, wow, I guess you can put a chair there. Or you, a bench is cooler than, you know, a side table. Sometimes we control the narrative and whether I'm working with Beyonce, Justin Bieber, a small commercial, helping a friend, you know, take her Christmas card, we control the narrative. And I think that we have to, we have to speak on it and we have to be willing to say, Hey, you look great. Or, Hey, you, this is okay. And, and act on it. Absolutely. And trust the voices that are voicing these concerns or these issues, because not everyone, just like you said, not everyone's the same. You are tiny and your voice is still an advocate for people that don't have the same issues as you do, but that doesn't make your voice less important because you've talked to the people and you are their advocate for these things. Absolutely. And I, I'm just so grateful that my mind gets to be stretched beyond what fits me and what I like and what I look good in. And it doesn't matter if I'm dressed. I I mean, I've dressed people that are extremely young, extremely old, extremely small, extremely big. So I, I feel very fortunate to be able to be exposed to all of that and learn from that. Yeah. That's an an amazing learning experience. I feel like it can do nothing but help you grow in all the ways, like every way that could even impact your job, it's going to help growth, which is always, I feel like something that's really important for us, even in our industry, because it's constantly changing. But growth is always good, even if it's just knowledge, like you didn't have this knowledge of this person until you did. And when they voice their experience, you become their voice as well, which is important. Absolutely. Well, I have one last question for you. And it's less heated and less pressure. (laughs) My gosh, what is it? (laughs) What's your new year's resolution? Um, What's my new year's resolution? I don't know if I believe to, I mean, I believe in new year's resolutions, but I think they're they're. I split them up. I go like personal health, recreational. So um, that that's just how I do it. And some of the things are to make more things to create more, meaning I I'm here in my studio. I have sewing machines I have, but it's just very time consuming. So I feel like in this time during lockdown, I'm going to have a little bit more time to, to hop to it. I just did um, an editorial with LA Works. They're a phenomenal global eyeglass company and everything that I put in front of camera I made. And that feeling was just so nice that I want to keep chasing that. And then all the other good fun stuff that we strive to drink, drink more water and to, you know, exercise more. I, I feel like those are good. What are yours? I have two pretty big ones that are probably the hardest resolutions I've ever had for myself personally. 
I never give myself such a challenge. But 2021, I feel like I need to set some bars. The first one is to be kinder to myself and just have nice self-talk. I want that for you. (laughs) It's probably one of the hardest things that I've struggled with. I mean, I think everyone struggles with it at some point, but it is definitely one of the big ones. And then my second is to, this sounds weird, but to obey the boundaries of people that take advantage of my kindness. Because I, once I'm familiar with people or I let people into my life, I have a tendency to let them have free reign over, you know, my heart or my kindness or my space. And because they're familiar, I want to give them everything that they want. And I have a real hard time making sure there's a boundary there still for my self-worth and my self-respect because, you know, not everyone's going to just give that to you. Of course. Shana, when people show you who they are, believe them. And that is a piece of advice that I've gotten both in work and personal and everything. And it's not meant to just be negative. That also means for the people that are incredibly kind, incredibly loving, it doesn't matter if it's the checkout person, if it's the doing write-ups at the costume house, doesn't matter. When people show you who they are, believe them. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's key. My problem is I will justify people's shortcomings by saying, oh, they've just had such a bad day or they've had so much trauma in the past. Yeah, like that's, I will literally rationalize everything to a fault if there's someone that I'm familiar with because I want to be on their side. If they say they have no one on their side, I'm literally like, I'm your person. And I'm then here. Like, like throw myself <laughs> to the wolves and be like, oh, well, I kind of, maybe didn't like that slut shaming that you just did to me. That wasn't quite nice. If we could maybe work on that. (laughs) I understand you're having a bad day. And you know what? Everything's a practice. Every, you know, if you don't do good one day, you're still allowed to do better the next day. Absolutely. And I just, and that's part of where the be kinder to myself comes in because the fact that I'm doing, you know, whatever I'm doing, I just get so mad at myself. And then I'm like, oh, you're so stupid. Like, why, why did you You know better? Yeah. Like blah, blah, blah. You're 32, blah, blah. But you know, like you just have to be nicer to yourself and explore the grace that you have within yourself because that's, I mean, no, at the end of the day, no one's going to do it for you. You are your responsibility. Amen. Girlfriend. I remember definitely in like 2019 and 2018, I think between those two years, I gave up, I would like completely prayed on it. Did the whole, I'm like, I am giving up shame and guilt. I will not feel sh- shame or guilt. And this was a time when I was bartending and, you know, my friends are awesome and are doing, you know, going out and doing this. And I'm like, no, I need to go to work and I'm not going to feel guilty for not going to your birthday party. And I'm not going to feel ashamed that financially I need a second job. Like I'm just, I'm not, that's, that's something that I've given up. And especially, you know, being with friends or a partner that is successful, it has all these things. I, I had to, I had to relinquish that the guilt and the shame of like, I'm not going to feel even, even now in 2020, I don't have the option to be like, Hey mom and dad, can you pay for this? Or can you do this? I'm like, I, I rely on myself and I'm not going to feel guilty for prioritizing some things over the other, but it's, it's definitely a practice. Oh yeah. I, I think shame and guilt are two of my most frequented emotions. I really struggle with that. And 
I mean, this is that's part of my journey for 2021 is just to start with those two, the boundaries and the nicer self-talk. And then eventually we'll get into being getting rid of this toxic shame and the guilt that I always feel over the silliest things. It's so challenging. I'm really proud of you for overcoming that because that is... Girlfriend, we have to let it go. I'm trying to keep the skin clear. I'm trying to keep this forehead not wrinkled. And that I'm like, this is a gift to myself. Let it go. You're you're aging yourself and making yourself feel horrible. Just let it go. Oh, absolutely. And there's so much that's tied to it too that people don't realize. So it's it's always nicer just to get rid of it and stop stop doing it to yourself, which I can say that. Like my words can come the words can come out of my mouth, no problem. It's just the action of doing it is a little harder. Okay, so what advice do you have for all the young filmmakers out there that are trying to be better? How do how do we wrap it up? Oh do you have do you have an ending question that you ask besides New Year's resolution? No, I, I normally end with any tips, tricks, or tributes that you might have personally. For anyone that wants to get in costumes or that wants to further themselves to get to costume designing, or it could just be you want to talk about how much you love Rob, like literally could be anything. <laughs> um, I definitely do love Rob. And actually, it was Ariana Grande's documentary came out on Netflix recently, about a week ago. I made some of the costumes for that. And Rob shot some of the footage for... Oh, geez some of the tour footage and our friend Hannah directed it. And it was such a beautiful moment of, I love seeing everybody win and it's, it feels amazing. So more of that. And I think that one thing that I would say to anybody trying to get into this field or trying to do it, it's just, just go for it. If you want to be a photographer, start taking photos. If you want to be a chef, start cooking, like just, just hop to it. If you want to be a costume designer, start dreaming up worlds and making clothes for those worlds and just hop to it and, and put yourself out there, which I know is easier said than done, but you just have the time is of the essence and willingness and grit. So just, just, just do it, get out there and do it. It's never too late. It's never too early. I'll see you when you get here. We're all going to be waiting for you. Oh, that's really sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It really is true. That was really well said. And I cannot thank you enough for coming on here. I want to say how grateful I am and that you did so amazing. And just thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in. And if you want to follow Carla on Instagram, Her Instagram is K-A-R-L-A-Y Miranda, all one word. And if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, which we love friends, it's go for set deck podcast. And if you want to send us an email because you have this insane story that you have to tell us and I will love to hear about, or if you just have a couple of questions about set deck things, you can email us over at go for set deck podcast at gmail.com. Love hearing from everyone. And if you would like to become a Patreon member and donate to our lovely podcast, we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash go for set deck podcast. Something that I would really love for each one of you listening to do would be to rate, review, and subscribe because that does loads of things for me, really helps me out, and just gets me 
a little more publicity up in the charts with this podcast. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope that no one was offended by anything we said because it's more just us talking about our truths in the film industry and none of it is meant to come off with any negative air or in any negative light or to be hurtful to anyone of any kind in any manner. We really do believe in unity in the workplace, especially among women. And yeah, I hope this answers some of people's hard questions and We just get conversations going about the hard things that we've faced in the past and the hard things that I'm sure we'll all have to face in the future. All right. Well, yes, that is this one. So thank you again, Carla, for coming on and being part of our show. Thanks for being exceptional humans today, guys. Uh, Goodbye.